Hi everybody and welcome to Dublin Tech Talks in association with WorkHuman, it's Gavin Fox here. Um, on this episode we are speaking with Rena Maycock who is founder and CEO of Kilter which is the child protection uh, software. On this episode we speak to Rena about her journey uh, with Kilter, her her own entrepreneur career and um, where the business is going and where the business growth is, is going to fundamentally leave the business. Um, it's a really interesting story, uh, we hope you enjoy. Rena Maycock, CEO and founder of Kilter, Child Perfect, uh, Protection Software. Welcome to Dublin Tech Talks. It's great to have you here. Thank, Thank you very much for having me, guys. So you're, I realise you're named in the top 30 women in tech last year. Mm. Um, and business is starting to take off. Yeah. Do you want to give a bit of a background of what Kilter is and we'll yeah. go from there? I feel like I felt like a bit of an imposter being included on that list because I'm not a technologist, I'm a salesperson by trade, but uh does do you no, mind me asking, does do, do you like does did that was it meaningful that award to you? We had Helen in uh, this morning and she she kind of tries not to see a distinction in her role between male or female. So how did you feel about that? Um, yes, it was meaningful, mm. you know, and I, I won a diversity in tech award as well. And that was meaningful for me. If I'm honest, Dave, I came from a radio background. I was selling advertising in my 20s and then had a bunch of management roles. And then I was the last job I had for the man. I was chief executive of the iRadio group of radio stations. And being a woman never, ever stood in my way yeah. Yeah. because media is 50-50. Mm-hmm. And then started my own business, a matchmaking company called Intro Matchmaking, which is a an entirely other story, very successful <laughs> business, pays for my startup party, so I'm very grateful for it. But then a few years ago when I came up with the idea for Kilter, um, everyone was saying, oh my God, a woman in tech, people will be f- throwing money at you, it's going to be great, <laughs> everybody's going to have their arms open for you and all that kind of stuff. And I realised really quickly when I started to, to embark on the funding journey that ta- that just was not going to be the case. Yeah. Um, and that there was a reason, I discovered that there was a reason for, you know, mandates in the European Union, for instance, if you talk about the Horizon Europe program mm. or Horizon 2020, the predecessor, there was a mandate there for a minimum quantum of the funding to go to yeah. women founders. And I remember when quotas were coming in or were announced for politics in mm. Ireland, and I felt so embarrassed on behalf of women. I was like, stop letting the side down. Don't be trying to take a place that you don't deserve. Mm. Just work harder, do better. And it was naive of me because I was in an industry. Yeah. That was 50-50 male-female and yeah. being a woman never stood in my way. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until I went into tech mm-hmm. that all of this started to become, all of these women in tech things started to become meaningful. Yeah, it's really interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they're quite competitive. You yeah. know, there are quite a lot mm-hmm. of women in tech. Um, so they're quite competitive. So our, they, they are our, very our former former alumni, Harvey Nash, they just, did you see that report? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. 80, only 18% of women are at the top table in Irish tech. Yeah, so like, I would say that's, that's 82% high. is male-dominated, which is... Mm-hmm. I, f- I think that's bonkers. Yeah. really is. It's mad. Coming from a female household and like our boss for years was, was a, a woman. Like I just don't see it and then yeah. you hear it and you go, shit, actually it is real. And then you talk to people and they go, yeah, no, like it's very obvious. And you know, Gavin, like that situation is not going to change. It's it's not going to change unless women feel like if they go into tech and found tech companies that mm-hmm. it's, it's going, they're going to have a fair crack at the whip as as men do and that's mm. just not the way they feel at the moment mm. um, you know and look I go on about this all we had, the time we had Kelly Becker at our, actually about two weeks before Covid hit yeah it was right at the end yeah. and mm. she MD of 
one of the farming businesses. <laughs> um, she but she's this. UK and Ireland. And she came from America and she was like fighting the fight. But she was the same. You know, why is it you have to put your hands up? It's, you know, quoted Taylor Swift song. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> That yeah. type of thing, you know. And, and it was like, you know, she very like, you have to, we have to stand up and, and, and make it happen rather than let it happen. Yeah, but you also need to then, it's Schneider Electric. Schneider, yeah. Sorry, um, Kelly. Like you then, need to own, you then need to own the culture, right, in your own business or, you know, and what we found anyway, certainly in, in work humans, like some quite intentional hiring at leadership layer in technology was required to course correct. You know, you, yeah. nothing happens by accident. But there's also, a, there's a, there's a deal flow issue for tech companies. I mean, when I was starting this company and, you know, Mark Langan is our CTO and he's absolutely phenomenal. And when I found him, I was delighted. But in the run up to finding Mark, I really, really desperately wanted a female CTO. Mm. Really, really wanted one. I just felt that it would be a really good fit. Yeah. Not that fathers don't love their children as much as mothers do. <laughs> That's it's, definitely I, not true. I, I, just yeah. felt, <laughs> I just felt it would be a really good fit. And me not being a technologist as yeah. well, I kind of had hoped for, for mm. a female CTO that could ha- hold my hand a little bit through the process as I was kind of making my way through making this an investable product like it is today. But I couldn't find one. Mm. It's very, very difficult. I did a CTO search and an MD search and I could, the CTO, I could find a f- few female CTOs at MD level or COO level I found it very difficult Yeah, mm. I, and I was shocked over that because we do a lot of work with STEM Ireland and things like that and I actually was a bit taken back by how difficult it would I found it to get somebody at a, a, a head of country or an MD type role and I was a bit okay this it's is a generational yeah. evolution though you would hope that things get better and yeah. better as we step forward but okay anyway, back, back, back to, to our original <laughs> question <laughs> we digress um, tell us about Kilter and where we're at right uh, so I came up with this idea four years ago um, do you want me to give you like the founding mm. story or yeah, go on yeah, yeah okay right so, uh, well, as I said I used to work in, in radio and then started our matchmaking company and then a few years ago I I was quite bored, if I'm honest, in the business. Yeah. There was nothing really strategically mm. gritty for me to get my teeth into. It was very well functioning. And I was pregnant and I kept getting served the image of Alan Kurdi, the little Syrian mm. boy that washed up on the beach in Turkey. And I kept crying over it because it was very upsetting. So I looked around for a filter on Facebook and Twitter so I could keep using social media and I couldn't find one. So I asked some friends and they said they didn't know of a filter, but if they asked me if you find one, mm. let me know because I'm always getting served images and stories I don't want to see. You know yourself, you yeah. see an Irish Times yeah. headline, you're like, I did not need that in my day. So I kind of like, I went It's about, actually really bad <coughs> mental health. When yeah. my wife turned off her apps because she was just yeah. seeing really bad stuff all the time. Yeah. It's like, where's the good news? Yeah. It's the same principle mm. as indulging yourself in Modern Family or Shit's Creek. Mm. It's a warm yeah. hug yeah. at the end of a day because life is brutal enough. Mm. Yeah. Why would you want to be watching Dahmer? You know? Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> again, we digress. Um, Top so I two looked, Netflix show. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah. It says a lot about humanity, doesn't it? Um, maybe not parents watching them. Anyway, uh, so I couldn't find a filter. Anyway, I went about my business, had my kids. And as you know, when you have kids, your perspective mm. changed just mm. entirely. Yeah. And all I could see were headlines of kids that have been systematically cyberbullied, groomed, yeah. coerced, extorted from, and pushed into the irreversible. Mm. And there was one common thread and that parents didn't know there was a problem until it was far too late. Yeah. And that terrified the bejesus out of me. And even though my kids were only toddlers at that stage, I was thinking pretty soon mm. they're going to be asking for phones. There's two watershed moments in, in, in Ireland specifically for, for phone use, communion and confirmation. Yeah. Mm. And I was thinking, mm. and I kind of knew already that if you hold off as a parent and refuse to give your child a phone for 
you can only really hold off as long as 50% of the class doesn't have a phone. Yeah. yeah. Because I, ironically, if you keep holding off, then you're setting them up to be harassed by mm. exclusion because they're not included. I, in I'm proactive the there. I gave my daughter and she was the first in the class. We were hated. To get a phone? <laughs> yeah. Because Shame. Yeah. No, we <laughs> I've held out when no. we're almost almost. No, she was ten and she's really good and I just went Our ten's not so bad. No, but I was yeah. like, do you know what? We're rarely first with stuff in my house. It's usually reactor type parenting. Yeah. <laughs> I have loads of questions. And I was like, Yeah, here you go. And she never uses it because fifty percent of the class at least don't have it mm. yet. Well that's yeah. And I've seen it done very effectively with groups of parents in a class that communicate with each other and agree nobody's getting a phone. Mm. And then it, re- it really works. Yeah. It really does. But the ESRI came out the other day and I think the new figure is 54% of nine-year-olds have their own smartphone. Wow. So it's, you but know. they have a device. <laughs> that, that was the other thing. Yeah, I there's was, a yeah. difference though. I think there's, you know. Yeah, the, 93% yeah. of eight to 13-year-olds have their own smart device. That could yeah. be if an iPad or, mm. a, yeah. a, or a tablet. Well, but you're, you're in the home and it's not, you know, it's not always but, on necessarily. But the whole purpose of the product cellular. is that it doesn't matter where you are, mm. you're getting information into a device that you, as a parent, don't know about. You're not in control of, yeah. Which, yeah. To me, I was like, uh, maybe it's a false insecurity. But if they're in the home and that's where they're accessing, you think, you know, I think a mobile phone bait on a cellular connection just feels like a step beyond in terms of control yeah. as a parent. Well, you see, uh, there's there's quite a bit of filtering can be done on a network level. Mm. Yeah. So if you're if you have a good parental control at home, you know, router based or whatever, it does catch a certain amount. Mm. It'll catch porn. It'll catch gambling, that kind of thing. High level stuff, mm. but the, the look, the future of harmful content is in encrypted apps, mm. and that's yeah. generally on a, a child's smartphone. Yeah, and generally, your child doesn't bring their, their PC or their tablet to bed with them, but quite often, parents can be a little bit too relaxed about the child having the smartphone in yeah. the bedroom. Oh, it's mm. my alarm clock, mm. but then they're on it under the covers at night, um, and they're getting encrypted messages because yeah. not to get <clears throat> too grim too quickly. Groomers generally will follow a particular pattern. They'll contact a child mm. on a public platform like their pe- Facebook page or Instagram. And then they'll very quickly ask the child to move the conversation into an encrypted app. And that's out of the reach of scrutiny by big tech themselves mm. or any other filters. Yeah. So that's the future of harmful content. And it, look, also not to get into the weeds on the legislation, but you've got the likes of the Digital Services Act, the Online Safety and Media Regulation Bill, the Harmful Content Bill. They're all coming in and they're all with a view to forcing big tech to remove, to, to deal with the harmful content that's on their public platforms yeah. and remove it or else get fined, like GDPR style fines, not mm. something that you can absorb as a cost of doing business. So they will come up with solutions for it. But none of the legislation compels them to look inside encrypted apps because they can't. Mm. The only way you can look inside an encrypted app is client-side scanning on an actual device. Mm. And that's what Kilter is. Again, I've digressed. No, we like um, digress. No, it's pretty, okay. it's pretty amazing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We, we, we have no set pattern to anything we do. So, like, so, so my, cause I was 17, almost 17 year old mm. and, you know, did the usual stuff, the, the previous incarnations of, you know, protection yeah. for him, but quite quickly realised he was going to circumnavigate. You know, he was a smart yeah. kid. So I think, you know, when I come, came across your promo video and it's very emotive, like amazing, mm. uh, amazing job there in terms of just communicating why this is important. But it feels like deep tech, like it feels really yeah. intense and complicated. I mean, I'm not, you know, no, you're not the CTO, but even working with the providers, is is there a big challenge there in terms of the encryption? Yeah, like, so what we did was when I came up with the idea, I spoke to a friend who's a technologist and he said, you're talking about a really natural fit for a parental control. So I looked into that space. Mm. And as you say, it's all app-based technology yeah. and apps operate in a peer-to-peer system. So 
you can download all the custodios or safety nets or keepers or barks onto your child's device. Yeah. They sit at the same permissions layer as Snapchat, TikTok, mm-hmm. Messenger, WhatsApp, Telegram. Mm. So they'll never ever technically be able to detect harmful content in a messaging app. And yeah. that's where cyberbullying and grooming is done. Mm. So the earliest point in the technological stack that you can access all incoming and outgoing data on a device is the kernel level. So you've hit the nail on the head. It's deep tech. Yeah. You'd be absolutely staggered the amount of times I've had really long conversations with people. And at the end of the conversation, they'll shake my hand and say, I can't wait to buy your app. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> I have failed. Nailed that elevator I have pitch. failed. <laughs> it's on the deck. Kilter is not capital letters and app. So look, that that's the earliest point mm. in the tech stack you can do it. So it is a challenge because unlike all of our competitors in the marketplace, they're all B2C. Mm-hmm. They sell direct to consumer. They can launch a product, spend half a million on a product, launch it to the app store use the revenue to develop incremental mm. improvements in their app and then, you know, fine tune it. But they've got a revenue source there. Now, the thing about B2C is it's to scale is very sluggish and very mm. costly. Ours is B2B, which is more favorable for investors because rapid global scale is right yeah. there. So we'll license to high volume repeat order uh, customers in the telco space. Mm. But the problem that we had was we don't have the autonomy that an app does. Yeah. We can't launch a V1 to market. Mm. There's a couple of reasons. It has to be embedded. So it has to go in a point of manufacture. You can't download it over the air. Now, that's a really strong value proposition to the likes of Samsung because mm. it means that if a parent wants that truly safe kilter-enabled smartphone for their child, they have to go and buy another device. Yeah. They have to buy a kilter-enabled device, which increases handset sales. Mm. Mm-hmm. It erodes hand-me-down culture from an iPhone perspective because... Yeah. What you and I are doing at the moment is our child comes to us and says, dad, dad, give me a phone, give me a phone. Eventually you capitulate when they're 10 and you give them, you're here, have yeah. my old Apple 8. I'll go and upgrade to a 14 I, because I, you really I, want I, that I, 14. I, I, I chuckled <laughs> with you when I heard you say that before. I was like, that's exactly what yeah, I exactly. <laughs> But what we're doing is we're creating tomorrow's Apple user. Yeah. So there's two big things that Apple have that Android hates. They trap people with the ecosystem. Mm. So you've got your iPhone, you've got your iPad, you've, everything is all linked, your Mac. Yeah. <clears throat> then you get all your family linked into that yep. e- ecosystem. Mm. Uh, and then they've got hand-me-down culture as well. So in 72% of cases, we don't change operating system because we are creatures of habit. Yeah. Yeah. I hate change and it's not just because I'm a Taurus. I am an Apple user. Taurus, Taurus friend. <laughs> <laughs> um, that was the first smartphone that was put in my hand yeah. Yeah, and I'm trapped mm, yeah. because mm. I look at people using Android phones and it's like looking into a bush. I, know, I just don't yeah. know how I'm, they do I'm, it. I'm taking the jump to a Mac book as soon as I go back to the office. It's, it's there for me. It's a big change for me. Ooh. Yeah. Decreased no, I wouldn't be able for that initially. Yeah. wouldn't be over that. No, this is just um, a big day for me. But like our prototype is on a Xiaomi phone mm. and it took me ages to be able to even do the demo. <laughs> I was like, I can't my way around this thing. So, so that's yeah. what's happening. So it's, it's Android at the moment. It'll be Android because Android is 86% of the world's smartphones and also we can code for Android yeah. because it's open source. A- 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 Apple engaged at all? We haven't tried. Okay. We haven't tried. It's not an Apple they product. They don't probably right listen. Now. Nobody in Apple would listen to this, unfortunately. Possibly. Well, that's what people tell me. Um, <laughs> that's I haven't, what I haven't seen just, just getting a yeah. taste of it. Like it. I mean, that would be a catalyst for change for a lot of parents, I think. Even beyond this, that ecosystem tie that you mentioned which yeah. is real yeah. I think this you know just the I mean this is primal emotive you know uh, concern for parents yeah um, and you know I mean we've all we've all said right you know I'd hate to be a teenager today there's no circuit break for kids anymore no. So I'd I, hate my teenagers to be seen now. <laughs> <laughs> that's a different. That's a whole different, that's game. A different thing. 
<laughs> so I was, so I, was, I, was, I was talking yeah. to a friend of mine yesterday on a walk and she was saying there was a problem with her, nie- her, her niece and that there was conversations in the group mm. happening and one girl was saying, oh no, it Claire's after joining the group. Mm. I think it was mm. on Roblox or something like that. And so Claire starts to retaliate and then um, against this other girl, let's call her Mary. And then Mary's parents took screenshots of Claire's retaliation. Mm. And, but Claire's, Claire's parents hadn't taken screenshots. So it all ended up in the school yeah. and there was a big kerfuffle yeah. because all this, this bullying was happening. Mm. So parents are all of a sudden finding themselves with nine and ten year olds having to take screenshots of bullying language. Yeah. Um, and it is a minefield. Mm. So fundamentally, what would happen there with, with the product? So that would recognise bullying content. Do I, do I get an alert or does it just yeah. cut it off? It blocks it. Mm. So basically what we do is the user journey is you walk into, a, say, a Vodafone or an Aero yeah. store and you pick out a, a Galaxy S10 with kilter, the badge yeah. in the corner and you bring it home. You find it in settings. So it's where Wi-Fi and roaming mm. is. Mm-hmm. The default is off. So it can't be deleted, which is a key component yeah. because most apps can be deleted, even by like tech savvy eight year olds. Yeah. Can be circ- <laughs> circumvented there. My three year old can do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> and you, would, you wouldn't even know. They'd yeah. jailbreak the phone. You'd be like, oh, <laughs> oh my child is really great. They're just, lo- they're just looking at kids tube. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, so you bring out, so you turn it on, you input the date of birth of your child, you password protect it, link it to your email address and click apply. So if your child is six, and 25% of six-year-olds have their own smart, smartphone. If your child is six, we set the filters for that are appropriate for a six-year-old. Or if they're 12, yeah. they'll be an awful lot looser. And as the child ages, the filters loosen in, in keeping with their age profile. Yeah. Um, so you basically give the child the phone. We look for explicit consent from the child. So one of the reasons why we've gotten so much support from stakeholders in child protection and child mm. privacy is because we go one step further than say GDPR requires you to. Yeah. Um, so we'll look for explicit consent from the child. The problem with spyware, so spyware exists out there at the moment. That's yeah. It's probably the most invasive thing you can do. You will be able to see all your child's online activity. It means that you have to dedicate the time to doing that yeah. and you have to invade your child's trust and that causes huge problems in the family. All this familial conflict around, mm. around mm. smartphone use. So we look for explicit consent so that the child feels a little bit empowered. They feel like they're involved in their own online safety and decisions around that along with you. So if we detect that your child is being groomed or if they're trying to send out a nude image of themselves, this Mm. is how it starts. One nude image is how how grooming really starts. If they try to send out a nude image of themselves, we don't send you the image. We just don't let it save into the photo library. Mm. And we send you an alert to say we have detected that your child is trying to send out a nude image. And we invite you to go to the phone with the child and discuss it and we give you hints and tips on it. So we've got a partnership with CyberSafe Kids, which is okay, brilliant. Ireland's largest provider yeah, of mm-hmm. online safety training. So we advise you, give you an emergency toolkit and then you go and have the chat with your child. If we detect your child is being bullied, we block the message, we send an alert to the child to say we've blocked a bullying message and your parent is on the way. Mm. So we then send you an alert to say we block, we've blocked what we think is a cyberbullying message. Here's what you do next. And we invite you to go to the phone with the child and unlock that message and have a look at it together. And then you can teach us yeah. whether it's a, a false yeah. positive or a false negative or if mm. we've got it right. So basically our AI learns very quickly. The more users we have, the closer we get to 100% detection efficiency. We'll never get to 100%, but, mm. you know, as close as, as I was possibly just saying, there must be a machine learning type language yeah, in the background. Like, yeah, it's yeah. A, it, so there's two components to the the software it's the operating system modification that's what we've got patented that's yeah. the method by which we access yeah. all the incoming and outgoing data and then there's the AI driven databases of cyberbullying grooming and mm. suicide and self-harm content and from what we can see 
that there'll be uniqueness in that data as well because we're we're build, building those data sets from scratch and we will have the world's first repositories of direct victim to groomer and direct victim to cyberbully language verbatim private language mm. because what's out there at the moment you, it's quite rudimentary actually the the research that's out there in terms of data sets of cyberbully and grooming language even in the in the english language it's quite Why rudimentary is that? Um, there's difficulties around collecting the data. So mm. what's there seems to be from interviews. Say, if you take the suicide and self-harm piece, there are interviews mm. from, of children that have ended up in a hospital. Yeah. So they're on the other side of it. Okay, yeah. Um, and can their memory be trusted? For, mm-hmm. in, for example, can their memory be, be trusted mm. to remember exactly what they searched for yeah. or exactly what the suggestion okay, someone made sense. to them was? Yeah. Um, and the same with kind of cyberbullying language. So what's out there at the moment is um, publicly scraped data. Mm. So, but if you're from the likes of Reddit or Twitter or whatever, but if you're bullying me over Twitter, you'll use very different language than you would if you were bullying me mm. in a little group, private group on yeah. WhatsApp mm-hmm. um, of 12-year-old girls trying to pick on someone. Mm. So it's very, it would be very, very different language. And we're working with this. So the consortium that we have that we won the, DTIF with uh, include a DCU. So two business units in there. There's the Anti-Bullying Research Centre and ADAPT Centre of Excellence for Ethical AI. And the Anti-Bullying Research Centre are like 20 plus years Mm. uh, experienced Mm. in researching cyberbullying language. So they've got great pedigree in developing these types of of data sets anyway. Um, So there'll be uniqueness in those data sets. So getting back to, to your question, yes, everything is that we look at that comes in and out of the device is checked against those AI driven databases for harm and anything that fails the test is blocked. It's brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, But I knew about the business obviously Mm -hmm. when Mark said to me a few years ago but like you're going as a parent going when when can I buy it? I'm just wondering how long I have left with my iPhone. (laughs) <laughs> basically oh, <laughs> my kids are six and seven I just hope that by the time Quinn is nine I have it what, what is the next stage you've obviously got a bit yeah. of funding coming you went patent first yeah. build later yeah. love that idea and what is like what is the next two years I'm guessing that's when it's like takes that long to manufacture and all that kind of yeah, stuff yeah yeah I was just saying to to your colleague Laura out there I'll be like the dog that chased the car I just don't know what to do with it when the money finally comes <laughs> through I'll be like oh, wait a minute I'll just spend this now um, I'm so used to doing things with literally no money it's uh, it's going to be hilarious but anyway um, so we got the we were awarded this Disruptive Technology Innovation Fund so that announcement was made there last week which means we've passed our financial assessment and all that kind of stuff mm-hmm. so it makes us much more investable you yeah. mentioned deep tech earlier on um, we knew it was going to cost a small fortune to get us to an MVP because yeah. it is deep tech. It's mm. so deep tech. So we knew we'd have to de-risk it. So we applied for H2020. I'll digress. Is, is that why nobody's done it yet? Yes. Okay. It's hard. Yeah. Hard yeah. and expensive. Yeah. Hard, expensive, and you don't have complete autonomy. Yeah. yeah. Now, even though the value proposition is really, really compelling and we're talking kind of big OEMs about pilot mm. partnership and big telcos about pilot partnership and we're finding that the door is just ready to be pushed open. You know, we were expecting flat no is only a year too far from market because we've got a two-year journey. Mm. Yeah. You know, it's a two-year project to get to MVP um, and that includes the pilot, which is great. So it gets us two years runway, but we knew it was going to be costly um, and we, we thought we'd get more pushback from OEMs and telcos, but we haven't. Mm. Because, so telcos have four big concerns at the moment, right? So that's who our commercial partners will be. They need to decrease churn, decrease the cost of acquisition, increase average revenue per user and secure the long-term viability of their companies. Because at the moment, 
they're at risk of becoming mere data providers because yeah. they, they lack USPs to set yeah. them aside. For, so it's a race to the bottom on price. They need something they can use for value at. So our product gives them the opportunity to either add a margin or not. Yeah. Um, and from what we're told by the telcos, our price, our license price per device per annum is extremely low on the cost of acquiring a new customer. So they could just absorb it yeah. as a marketing cost yeah. to acquire a new customer. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the indications are they'll include it in a family bundle to bring in longer term contracts, m multiple users and crucially mm. transfer people over to bill pay rather than pay yeah. as you go. So it's a very useful sales tool for them. Um, so they are all seeing, they don't need us to kind of hold their hand through mm. it. They are seeing immediately the value proposition that we present. But also, in terms of Zeitgeist, it is absolutely crucial for all of these companies to be showing that they're doing everything they possibly yeah, can 100%. to mm. tackle harmful contents yeah. on their devices, mm. on their devices and through their networks. Well, if you think legally, yeah. if, if, like if the they don't do it, but if they don't do it and there's a product yeah. there to do it, yeah. you know, as a parent and something happened, you'd be like, hey, I'm yeah. going after you. So we and, digress. No, <laughs> and look, PR is directly linked share yeah. price these yeah. days mm -hmm. and Absolutely. you know so certainly we're not going to get any blockers mm. we mean you know yeah, we don't want the child protection yeah no we, we don't want that go over there and um, so we're finding that the, you know the door is open there so we're, we're getting an awful lot of yummy noises in, in that score so we've got the two year project and um, we've got 2.8 million in non-dilutive grant coming to us so it's significantly de-risked yeah. so we've been raising you know for about a year um, and we had committed investors and we had the valuation last year and we haven't raised it. Since we got the 2.8 award, we haven't raised the, mm. the valuation yeah, because it's a different different era now in terms of raising. So our committed investors from last year are happy with that. Yeah. Okay. Um, and basically, so investors now are getting 4.4 million worth of development for a 1.5 million investment. So it's a bit of a no-brainer. That's your next two years. It's go from MVP to a product or is it's it? It's getting to products. Yeah. So at the end of that two years, we'll have a marketable product, English language product mm. for Ireland, UK and the States. And do you have to build that as nearly an embedded product already so it gets to market quicker? Yeah. Because I don't, what's the turn yeah. on phones? I know chips are like six, 12 months when they kind of... People are holding on to their phones longer mm. now. Um, 2.92 years, I think, is how long people hold on to their phones. I love, I love the stats you have around phones. <laughs> do you have a new one? <laughs> By the sounds of it. <laughs> Vodafone's had another year. I'm a Luddite now. Vodafone's uh, yeah. had another year, so I said I'm Oh, Luddite. right, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'll limp along. Yeah, I'll, go, I'll stay on my 11. <laughs> I'll limp along with my battery that lasts an hour and a half. <laughs> uh, sorry, you are about to say something. No, it's just like, you know, you're a serial entrepreneur. You've been involved in lots of businesses. What's, you know, what, how do you feel the climate is now compared to, you know, previous times you've been in this phase of, you know, building something at an early stage? So when we started intro, we did it in the teeth of a recession. Mm. Um, and we, we honestly found there could never have been a better time to, to, to start a business yeah. mm. because all of the costs were so low. Mm. We got premises on Dawson Street for next to nothing. We got furniture for next to nothing. Advertising was at 10% of rate cards. People were doing deals after like cost yeah. for customer deals left, right and centre. So and staffing mm. was really cost effective. Mm. Um, I feel hopeful about indigenous tech, if I'm honest, because of what's happening. Yeah, there's that forced entrepreneurship, right, in a cycle like yeah. this. Yeah. And like I was on the Commission on Taxation and Welfare and there was an awful lot of discussion around Ireland's um, reliance on CT from yeah. big tech. Yeah. I can't remember the exact st statistic. It was something like 80% of our CT was coming from like the top 10 MNCs or something like that. Mm. I, I can't remember the statistic. Yeah. It's something wild. Um, and I was, you know, constantly beating the drum of trying to make Ireland a better place to start 
an IP rich yeah. tech company. Because at some point, and I think our vulnerability is starting to show it now, mm. Mm. Uh, at some point that money may go. It's not because of changes, international changes in corporation tax, because realistically, that's not going to have a huge impact no. on us if you look into the, the great detail of it. Um, but indigenous tech, startup tech companies, it didn't really affect us because we get contacted quite frequently by people that have been working in big tech. Uh, they're experts, um, but they feel like they've sold their soul and they're ready to move on and do something good. Yeah. So we would have, because of the social good that Kilter is going to do, we would have quite a few people would come to be attracted to us by that. Mm. But other tech companies um, that don't have that kind of, you know, social draw would find it very, very difficult. And you guys are in the recruitment yeah. game. You'd, you'd know you'd find it very, very difficult to compete with big tech on salaries, share options. But you, you nailed it on the head there. People get bored with that. I know it sounds really mm. terrible. They still get well paid, but they don't want to report into somebody and not actually be able to build the product themselves. Mm. They'll ship a certain part of it to yeah. another place and then they go back and rebuild and then like at the start and they go, what happened to that? And they might get, might get canned and yeah. they've spent two and a half years on yeah. it and they go, oh, I don't want that. There's, there is a big element, I think it's very Irish of us, there's an element in all of us that wants to be the big fish in the small pond. Mm. Yeah, so I know what you mean. Yeah. Um, I, I, I think that's quite natural for people. But I think in 2023, it's going to be the year of indigenous tech. I think arguably the multinationals need to move over a bit and make a bit of space. And um, there's some really exciting companies coming out of like have funding and they're going to be hiring ed tech, some good fintech coming through. Mm. Good, what, tech for Good, would you declare your business? Tech for Good, yeah. yeah we were nominated for an Ivy um, Award in Tech for Good, let me tell you. <laughs> there we are. But, Did so win, there, there but is a, we There nominated. is a lot in that and there's going to be some, there isn't a massive availability still on the engineering side and product side. It's, it, the go-to-market got smashed, that's kind of, and your marketing departments have got smashed recently. Yeah, yeah but there's a consequence of change. Yeah. The last few years, people are reevaluating what's important. They yeah. want to work on something that's meaningful, you know, and yeah. has purpose. People are, yeah, you know, 100%. leaning into that purpose more and more every yeah, day. definitely. Mm. Um, looking at the time, we're going to have to finish up soon. Last question from me. What advice, you've, as you're a serial founder at this stage, what advice, somebody sitting at home, looking or listening at this, what, what, what would your advice be, good, bad or indifferent? If you're thinking of starting your own business, don't stop thinking about it and just do it. Yeah. Um, if it's in you, if that grows in you, there's, there's, in my mind, there's two different types of people. When I meet an entrepreneur, mm. I know that they've got something wrong with them just like me. <laughs> I know they've got a disease. They like indentured servitude. At 12 night. <laughs> yeah, they like indentured servitude. They like pain. They like to take a good kicking. Um, there is something wrong with all of us, but it's a little bit like being a salesperson. You just, it's in you. Mm. And unless you, you know, scratch that itch, it's always going to be in you and you should just do it now. There's never going to be a better time. Yeah. Um, you know, they say we're not going to hit a recession, but but as close as damn it. So it's a, it is going to be a good time mm. to set up. Business. The best businesses come out of recessions, though. Best they opportunities. Do. I remember when oh eight nine ten. Yeah, I remember having a beer with you and going. It's going to be like so busy. Yeah, when this gets back because nobody had hired in t like a year. Yeah, it was nine months. Good. Yeah, ten, nine ten months. And yeah. it just flew. Like really? ten eleven was yeah. so busy. Best oh, projects. I think some we of the won. companies that came out of that era were phenomenal. Anybody yeah. that's phenomenal. Yeah, raised or gone. And even mm. at seventeen, eighteen, when there was a bit of a bump as mm. well. Like that's when Intercom and those types of businesses were. Yeah, were made so it is always the best opportunity because it's that forced yeah. entrepreneurship again. Someone's at home thinking about their next thing. Yeah. Unfortunately, maybe you know a negative consequence of you know some 
yeah. contraction or whatever. So, uh, but as you say, it's it's unlocking that impetus inside you, right? I think recessions and that forced entrepreneurship can be a catalyst, mm. but the entrepreneurship gene yeah. was already yeah. there. Yeah. Um, so definitely, and, and it's always more it. fun making your own money. <laughs> it's way more fun making your own money. But you know what? Well, like when I was in my twenties, I used to be thinking, why, why in the fuck would anybody want? to start their own yeah. business and have no job security, mm. no wage security, no sick leave. No so you waited to have leave. kids and a family. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I don't know what I'm thinking. Of. Um, <laughs> and then something just clicked in me. Mm. Yeah. Something just clicked in me and I was like, I cannot work for the man. I mean, you'll know this from talking to all the other om- yeah. entrepreneurs that you talk to. If their business collapsed tomorrow, there's no way they'd be going on to, you know, you guys going, here, I'm, I'll be a candidate now. It's harsh. <laughs> no offense, but they'd be like, "I'll come back and I'll give you some business when yeah, I start 100%. my new my new venture." Yeah, I've owned my own business now. It's, I would yeah, hate you, to go you back. You just to couldn't go business. back. It's Sorry. a different mindset. Yeah, I like working it's for the man. Great fun. <laughs> it is oh, loads of fun. God, it's great yeah. fun. It's such great fun. On the fun, we will finish up because I'm getting words in my ear. Karina <laughs> <laughs> Maycock, CEO, founder of Kilter. Congratulations on the business yeah. and best luck over the next couple of years. And thank, thank you, you so for being much. here. Yeah, thank thanks very much for having me. Thank you. David here. Thanks again, folks, for joining us. Uh, There you have it. So I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, don't forget to subscribe to whatever platform you're engaging with the content on. You can also find us on LinkedIn. Um, uh, Also check out our meetup page because we are getting back to in-person events. So we look forward to seeing you in person at one of them or certainly uh, bringing you more content and telling some more stories from the tech scene in Dublin. Thank you.